Hey, Mark here, and I'm calling in before today's episode with a little favour to ask, if I may, please. You see, today I'm changing the format of the Podcast Accelerator. I'm trialling a longer form deep dive episode, real specific actionable takeaways, and introducing my recommended podcast tool of the week. Now, the format is ever so slightly different. It is a little bit longer, and during this episode, which is a huge, deep dive, massive piece of free podcast education. During this episode, I'm going to break off for about 90 seconds to recommend a podcasting tool that I think will help you. And at the end, stick around because there's a new section at the end, which is three actionable takeaways that you can implement today based on today's deep dive. So let me know what you think of this new format, please. That's the favour that I'm asking. You can do that on Twitter, at Mr. Asquith. And you can get the written version of this over on my Twitter profile as well. Once again, that's at Mr. Asquith. And enjoy this episode of the Podcast Accelerator. Hello there. You will be honoured if you would join us. What is going on? Hello there. Welcome to episode 24 of Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars show, bringing you news, reviews, random spotlights, and everything from a galaxy far, far away. I am Mark Asquith, and I'm here with my fantabulous co-host, the main man, the best pilot in the galaxy. Did the Kessel run backwards? This is Mr. Gary Aylert. Welcome, sir. Always a pleasure. How are you doing? The Kessel run backwards. Yeah, you put the sex in parsecs, bro. It's a piece of cake. I don't know why they keep banging on about the Kessel run. That's like old news. (laughs) Did it backwards in like five parsecs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've not done the school run, have they? Do you know what? You read my... The words were just on my mouth. Like, (laughs) they haven't done the school run before, yeah. No, I'm really good. Thanks, dude. How are you? Welcome to episode 24. It's all good. It is, man. Looking forward to this one. We've got some interesting news coming up. Some, As ever, as we're ramping up, of course, to the Rise of Skywalker, we've got some some potentially spoilery-filled theories and logics and pieces of discussion. So I'm looking forward to this one. It's an interesting one. Then we've got uh, like Ewan McGregor stepping back with full gusto into the Star Wars space. So yeah, man, looking forward to this one. And just before we dive into the content, remember that we actually are over on Patreon. So if you want to become a patron of Spark Rebellion, if you want to support the show and just just get involved, maybe you want some exec producer credit, maybe you want a fantastic Spark Rebellion sticker, head over there to patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. And a big shout out to Pascal Fintoni, who's a great friend of mine. Good guy. I was with Pascal last week up in Newcastle at Retain. And um, Pascal is a huge Huge, huge, huge Star Wars fan, and Pascal just joined us as a brand new patron. So thank you so much, sir. We will be getting all of your goodness shipped out to you and making sure that you get your due on the show and and, and get your chance to shine a spotlight on what you want to talk about. So welcome, Pascal. Now, guys, before we dig in, dude, what's Star Wars been like for you this week? What have you been doing? What's been happening for you in the galaxy? Yes, in the galaxy this week. Um, it's been fairly light for me, I'll be honest with you, bud, in terms of Star Wars stuff. Um, I've made a, a bit of a, a dent in uh, Master and Apprentice, um, so I'm nearing the end of that now. Um, otherwise, I haven't really done uh, too much. Um, I did get the... Because uh, I'm quite hyped up for the Fallen uh, Order game that's coming out. Uh, when's that? Next month? Month after? Um, 
Marvel slash um, uh, Lucasfilm have put out these, you know, they do these prequel comics, you know, they're like a short run that's going to, that's meant to fill you in on what's going on in the story, bit of a, an insight into some characters and so on. But they released the Fallen Order comic. It's called uh, Jedi Fallen Order Dark Temple. So I got issue one of that. And just to get an insight into some of the characters that we're going to bump into throughout the game. And it's not a bad start, to be honest with you. It's pretty good. It's uh, It doesn't focus on the main character as yet, so I'm pretty sure he'll pop up in a future issue. But it's mainly around um, one of the characters that we spoke about weeks and weeks ago, um, uh, which is a, a Padawan in training at the moment. Her name's Siri or Sarah, Sarah Junda, I think her name was. And it's her kind of early... Uh, a journey uh, being taken uh, on different missions to different worlds and so on by her Jedi master, uh, master Cordova. So at the moment he sits within the Jedi. Uh, he's like one of the high ranking Jedi masters and he reports into Windu and Yoda and all and, and the Jedi council. And it's essentially a bit of a, uh, a, a kind of Anakin slash Obi-Wan situation where, um, Siri or Sarah, we're really going to have to nail that name down. <laughs> uh, Sarah, she's like a bit of a gung ho, uh, short fuse. Like there's a scene where they're on this world and there are two different alien races who are you know, having a bit of a squabble. And the, the Jedi master, he goes off to have a talk and a negotiation as the Jedi often do in the early days, but she waits outside and inevitably it, it turns into a bit of a ruckus and she ends up you know, slapping a lot of them. And then she has to report to the council and so on. And then, you know, the, the her master sort of smooths it over and is like, look, she's not always like that. You know, she's all right. So they send off another mission. And there's a, a little appearance from the uh, the Imperial uh, Inquisitor and, and that thing. So it it's a pretty good start, actually. It's a, um, I think it's only five issues, um, this particular series. But yeah, it's not a bad start. It's only because I'm hyped up for the game, to be honest with you. So yeah. Nice man, yeah. It's uh, it's always good that they put these mini series out like that. That sort of felt like a trend that started, I don't know, maybe ten, twelve years ago with things like the Transformers prequels that they did, and you know, they even did like Superman Returns in in, in two thousand and six. They did a four issue story there that focused on a particular character every 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 issue. Um, so I think I, I quite like that little trend, you know, for the uber geeks like us that really just want to dig into that. I, I really like that. Um, so I'm going to have to pick that up, dude. And it's actually been a comic booky week for me as well. It's been the, uh, you know, the old Age of Resistance comic books that are leading up to Rise of Skywalker, which are, are quite interesting. And, and, you know, similarly, it's a, it's a limited run and, you know, there's not that much really that is revealed. But what they're trying to do is just fill in a couple of little... Just little plot points. Like I read the Ray one, Age of Resistance Ray, yesterday, where it was, oh, Chewie did get the hug from Leia after Han died. Actually, after all, it wasn't just Ray, you know, and it was a bit more of a private moment. And then, you know, it filled the gap in between, um, I think it was Ray and Chewie leaving, um, uh, what's the place that they were on on Force Awakens? So in the beginning with D, the Resistance base was on like Dax something, or I can't remember what it was called. Um you know, in, in between that and landing on Acto, you know, there was a little adventure that was going on. So it's quite cool. It's quite cool. The interesting one was the uh, the Snoke one. I don't know if you've picked that one up yet, but it was... No, not yet. No. It's interesting, man. Like, there's a couple of interesting things in there. It's, it's um, you know, it's essentially Luke, uh, sorry, Snoke training Kylo. And he's, you know, the opening pages are quite interesting because he's got, he's got Kylo suspended 
And he lets him fall. He says, you know, you're going to have to figure this out. I'm going to drop you onto these crystals that will just sh- just shred you to pieces. And Kylo stops himself with a force. So there's this this whole theory now that that's how Palps survived the fall in the Death Star exhaust. You know, not notwithstanding giant explosion from nuclear reactor. But, you know, the <laughs> fall was... I don't know if they're dropping hints in or what. And they're just setting precedent for the universe. But, but it was interesting. You know, they go to the cave on Dagobah and... Um, that's very, very interesting, and you start to see some of the respect that that, that Snoke has got for Luke, um, which again has fueled a lot of a lot of the theories that Snoke was actually Palpatine, or um, he certainly had a, a lot more tie to, to Palpatine than we previously realised. So it's interesting, man. It's good what they're doing with the comic books in the lead up to these two big property releases: Jedi Fallen Order, and of course Rise of Skywalker. So yeah, very it interesting. Is, yeah. I think they're. They're stopping the main run, aren't they? I think in November or December, mm-hmm. they're wrapping these comic lines up, and I think that's going to be it for a while. Yeah, I think so. It's interesting as well to to kind of uh, speculate on what comes after that, because I know there's some news that we'll probably talk about next on the next episode about uh, Ryan Johnson. You know, him basically saying that you know that, that there's a timeline shift, or we're not we're not quite sure when the timeline is set for my new trilogy. You know, maybe they are giving us a bit of a Star Wars hiatus, which is is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, there's plenty of books that we can go at. There's the old old comic book series that we can go at. So maybe it is a good thing. Build the anticipation that we had for The Force Awakens, you know? Absolutely, yeah. You don't want to get franchise fatigue, as it's known. Or in this case, uh, some particular channel fatigue. Yeah, if you just blast you know, tons of comics all the time then you kind of get lost as into some of the storylines and how it relates to maybe the films and whatnot. So, yeah, a bit of a break, not a bad thing. No. And then when this Skywalker stuff wraps up, you just see how it goes with the future trilogies. And I, I imagine they'll launch another run when those films start to, you know, surface and whatnot. Yeah, I think so. I don't think it's the last that we've seen of these saga characters either in, in different mediums, uh, which kind of leads us to the news, interestingly. The news segment today, there's three or four items to dig into and zip through. And, and in particular, we talked about that f- that franchise fatigue. You know, the, one of the big players with this and, and, and one of the big kind of outlets that Disney has now, of course, for the Star Wars property is Disney+. Plus. And we know that there's an Obi-Wan series landing. We know that The Mandalorian's now been, you know, it's been renewed already for a second season. And there is a rumour, there is a rumour that a new solo spin-off TV show will be landing over on Disney+. Plus. Now, this is kind of theoretically supposed to be a spin-off set after the events of the movie. You know, maybe it digs into Darth Maul's um, criminal background and how he ends up. I think he ends up on, um, is it... Is it Moribund or is it Dathomir? It's not, I don't think it's on Dathomir, that we find him in Rebels. Um, I think it's something, again, beginning with Dia. We find him on one of the Sith-based dark side planets and uh, he, he gets stumbled upon by Ezra. And, you know, what, what happened between him at the end of uh, Solo, you know, this crime boss with the, the cybernetic legs and, and, you know, this kind of badass kind of crime lord, what happened to, to push him out into exile? What happened in that time frame? But then obviously... The follow-up story to, to 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 Solo, you know, how did how did he end up there? We saw him going back, potentially over to Tatooine and, and starting to do a little bit of work for the Huts. Um, you know, there's there's a story there, isn't there? There's a lot of lot of story, a lot of fruit in that that can be uh, that can be harvested. And I don't know about you, dude, but you know, I'm I'm actually quite all right with this. Uh, yeah, I completely agree, and I'm up for this one in a way 
it kind of feels like Solo is, if you're going to do a spin-off about Solo, it kind of fits with the Disney Plus thing now anyway, because if they're going to be doing individual character series over there, like with the Obi-Wan series, it feels like that's the best place to do it anyway. I know they didn't have that in the plan back then, so years ago, when they when Disney still had the plan that they were going to do the main the main series films every other year, and then to slot in in those years where that was absent, they were going to do a spin off thing. So back then, that was the plan, and they didn't really have the, the maybe they did, I'm not sure, but they didn't really have the Disney Plus model in their heads at the time. So I feel like Solo would be, be- or a better fit anyway for a TV series rather than a film. Because I think with the film, I really like the film, actually. I th- I'm a big fan of, of the solo film, but it is a little bit paddy and a little bit fan service in some places, you know. And they, you can do that, I think, more subtly on a TV show. You've got more time to explore those things and, uh, without being so, so in your face because you've only got a certain amount of time with a film, obviously. You have to get those things in. Um, and yeah, and the whole sort of, a bunch of characters surrounding that I think is a good thing. Like you mentioned more, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm really up for, for how they, how they slot that in without it being viewed as, Oh, here, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to just tread the same path, you know, as long as it's done correctly and those characters are slotted in, in a way that's like, ah, this is awesome because this is nothing that we've seen before. Because I think Maul's a bit of a, a bit of a enigma within the Star Wars universe thus far. He, he, he's not a regular in anything. If you think about the original trilogy, he's in Phantom Menace and that's it. You don't, he's not mentioned, you don't see him again. He pops up in a couple of episodes in Rebels and the Clone Wars and that's it. And then he pops up as a cameo in the solo. So he's a bit of an enigma. He's not a regular dude that you see all the time. So if they can throw his story in in a good way, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'm up for that as well, dude. Yeah, that's a great point, dude. And the, the planet that we found him on is uh, is Malachor. I couldn't remember. Oh, Malachor. Yeah, yeah, we found him on Malachor in, in, in Rebels. And you're right. You're absolutely right. He's he's quite enigmatic. But the thing is, with Maul, you know, he when he when he turns up, like he does big stuff. You know, he's out for he's always out for Kenobi after the Phantom Menace. Kills Qui Gon. He's the first Sith to really kind of come to the fore in a thousand years. And then in the Clone Wars, it's like, whoa, wait a second. Okay, he's throwing down with Palpatine. He's got a brother, and wait a minute, these are the Night Sisters, which then thread through to Ventress and Dooku. Like he's he's a very pivotal character that you know outside of the main Skywalker saga has got so much influence on the Star Wars universe. So I think you're right. You know, as long as they keep that uh, that enigmatic nature of Maul, I think there's something quite interesting to do with him. One of the things that I'm really keen on, dude, is. Um, the, the the stormtroopers, the, 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 the even the clone troopers, you know they've they've always been seen as a little bit clumsy. And we talked about this on the last episode because you've got the jet trooper, you've got the Sith trooper. We've seen obviously we've got the speeder bike guys from Return of the Jedi, and we've got the snow troopers and all that kind of stuff. But you know the, 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 they've always been a little bit comedic, like they always miss their shots. It's always been like the stormtroopers are just like they're not. We shouldn't really take those guys too seriously. You know, we shouldn't really, don't worry about those guys. Look at them. <laughs> They're all fun. Like Darth Vader's the bad guy. And and I think what they've been trying to do recently is certainly with some of the stuff like New Dawn, the book that's out there, um, and, and some of the, some of the more Imperial focused books 
they've been trying to really kind of show the empire as this force, you know, this this grand army, this an actual army that has has really, you know, it's it's been forcing slavery, it's been taking over worlds, it's been destroying worlds, it's been, you know, making people's lives just so desperate and, and poverty stricken because all they want is is the raw materials to keep building the Death Star and building the Star Destroyers. And what I found interesting about Solo, which I think they could really do well with this series, is that like a lot of times that felt like a war movie. You know, when they're in the trenches, like that's not nice. The stormtroopers are dirt and they are struggling and they are killing people and they are really in the trenches. And it felt a little, you know, not to kind of to, 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 to give too much gravity to it, but it felt a bit Dunkirky. It felt a little bit Saving Private Ryan. It felt a little bit Inglorious Bastards. You know, it was a it was dirt and it was grim and it was gritty. And, and I think that if Disney Plus is able to capture some of that, this could be a pretty sweet series. And, and and expanding on that just for the last part of this, you know, there's so much going on on these planets. You know, if you think about the Empire expanding out from the inner core, the core worlds out to the mid-rim, to the outer rim, you know, getting out to Naboo, getting out to... Um, some of the places that are in some of the books, like Gorse and Cinder and some of the other planets, like, it seems to just get worse what the Empire does further and further out. And these criminal organizations, really, like the Huts and the Crimson Dawn guys, they really come to power by exploiting that. Now, that is where Maul could be very interesting. So I, this series could be really cool, man, but they'd have to go gritty with it. Absolutely, yeah. They'd, they'd have to. I think the Mandalorian is leaning... I think towards that side of it, that feel, it does feel very, uh, it does feel very gritty and not so clean cut as the, the main films. So if they can follow suit with that, it could be awesome. And I'm, I'm, I agree with you with the stormtroopers as well. I think they, they really need more. I don't know. Uh, do they? Yeah. The stormtroopers are a weird one because they're iconic. They're just as recognized. It's like one of the only franchises where, the, just the low level lackeys are just as um, recognizable and important as like the main villains and everything. So yeah, I get what you're saying though. It's just, that's, that's a whole nother thing. That's like a massive, a massive story to explore in itself, you know? So, but no, I'm up for it either, either way, as long as it's gritty, like you say, and there's a bit more boots on the ground and not so light and fluffy. Yeah. It could be awesome. It could be. So we'll see what comes, whether so the solo follow-up or something within that time frame. One thing that I've been noticing, dude, a heck of a lot of stuff is set around eight years after Revenge of the Sith. New Dawn, Obi-Wan show, solo. There's a heck of a lot of stuff within months of each other. So that, I don't know if that's on purpose, but like I said, we'll see what happens with that. Is it going to be a solo spin-off or is it going to be something else that just happens to have connections to the solo movie. Either way, pretty exciting times for Disney+. Plus. Now, not quite as exciting. Maybe some bad news. Maybe something that's a little premature, but apparently, you remember a few weeks ago we talked about Galaxy's Edge being in a little bit of turmoil. Apparently, this this part of Disney's Disney's empire, this part of the, uh, the on-the-ground empire is not quite doing as well as anticipated. It's been fraught with delays, pushbacks, both at Anaheim and in Orlando. Looking at Disney... Um, opening schedule of December now over in Orlando for certain pieces of the Galaxy's Edge puzzle, you know, things like the extra rides and so on. If you read into these reports, it's been reported that, you know, maybe Galaxy's Edge is struggling and we might have to fear for its future. Um, still not sure what I think of this. 
you know, it's all about earnings calls. It's all about how this this does genuinely perform. But I don't know, man. It's it's kind of worrying to see. What do, what do you make of it, bro? Yeah, it's potentially, I mean, it depends, like you said, how far you read into these things. There, there is an argument to say that there's no smoke without fire. And it seems to be that there's a lot of, uh, quite a few comments and 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 uh, reports from people that are involved somehow, whether they work at the park at that particular attraction or they're involved in some way. And but the, the, the trouble is, it, it all gets thrown into the same melting pot of rumors and Chinese whispers and so on. So it's hard to pick out what's actually true and what's a, not official because Disney haven't said they they've not come out and said, yeah, we recognise that this is struggling and we're going to do. X, Y, and Z to fix it. So they've not said that it's struggling officially. So it's hard to pick out what it, what their their game plan is. But I feel like I feel like this hasn't had a decent enough chance yet to to get rocking and rolling because I think they did a limited. I asked you this last time. I can't remember, but I think they did a limited run, like an early, uh, like it wasn't open to the general public for a while, was it? They just did invite only for a while. Uh, and then they've got these other attractions that are meant to be coming and future stuff happening. So I feel like it's a bit early just to throw a sticker on it that says, no, this is a failure. Let's close it. There could be problems in terms of they're not quite hitting the numbers, but there could be loads of reasons for that. You know, it's not just a cut and dry. We're not getting enough people, so see you later. So I, I don't know, man. It's difficult to pick out what's what's true or what's, um, what route leads down to the cause of it. But we're still going, so... Oh, big time, big time, mate. big time. It's it's a funny one, isn't it? Especially with the Florida one. You know, Florida in August, September time is is absolutely despicable for for rain. Um, and you know, the, the, there's a few reports in there that state that you know the rain has been a problem. You know, three p.m. every day in Orlando, you get the world's biggest downpour every single day. And it just it's a funny one, isn't it? Because these guys are not. It's not like they're not used to building stuff in Orlando. Like you, I, I just can't see how crap like that would be an issue because they've done this on a grand scale beyond all others for years and years. So I guess all we can do is get out there pretty quick, sharp, get it under the belt and, you know, whatever <laughs> will be, will be when it comes to Galaxy's Edge. But I think for now, I'm just going to reserve a little bit of judgment on that one. And I think we should all be a little bit cautious with what we uh, what we read on that one. Yeah, well, one see. very quick rumour mm. was that Wi-Fi is the cause of the problem. Yeah, bloody hell. So I re- read into that what you will. In it though. In it, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Wi-Fi at the top of it now, mate. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> we all need that. Right on to the next piece of news: Empire strikes door. A seemingly inane moment from A New Hope, where we've all seen this one. You know, where the old stormtrooper bangs his noggin on the top of the door as he's running through. It's one of those. It's, there's loads of things like this. It's the Jurassic Park Velociraptor hand. You know, there's all sorts of little things like this in the crop up in, in moviedom and, and, and pop culture. But this particular moment, Empire Strikes Door, is getting its own documentary. A guy called Jamie Stangroom is um, he's trying to figure out who it was. Who was the actor that played this Stormtrooper? And it's... <laughs> It's interesting because apparently there's like 10 Stormtrooper actors now coming out to the fore saying that they were the guy that banged there and this guy, Jim, is trying to figure out actually what the deal is with it. Ultimately, it's just a little bit of fun. 
You know, it's just a little bit of fun. And he's interviewing some random people. This is according to JediNews.co.uk. He's got they've got an excerpt from Jamie. Um where he's 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 going pretty deep on this man. He's interviewing actors that that played Greedo, Ula, even the guy who was hired to portray, and this is straight from Jedi News, was hired to portray Jabba the Hutt's tail. You know, he's going deep and trying to dig into this. Uh, <laughs> and it turns out that this guy whoever this bloody stormtrooper is that banged his head, is pretty hard to track down. So it's just a bit of fun, man. You know, it's going to be one of those Netflix documentaries um, that's just going to be fun to watch on a Friday night after a couple of beers. Um, It it seems like he's having a lot of fun with this, man. So looking forward to watching it. Uh, Yes, it's going to be uh, a fun one. It's in a... I just love things like this. And it's a similar vein to the... uh, A few weeks ago, we spoke about a lot of cosplayers who went to... Uh, San Diego Comic-Con dressed as the the Mike Boom guy from the the desert in Tunisia with the pink shorts and so on. It's that kind of thing where these little tiny inconsequential characters who you just wouldn't, you you know, the the bumping stormtroopers just like a a famous thing now, isn't it? But you don't really talk about it too much. The only, like the maximum amount of conversation you have about it is, oh, do you remember that scene where he bumped his, yeah, yeah, great. And that's it. But this guy's taken those two sentences and has made a whole documentary about it. So what's really funny in that excerpt that you mentioned is that he's having a lot of fun trying to track down who it was because a lot of people who were playing stormtroopers at the time say it's them. So now apparently there's a scene where he's tracked down a couple of them. They're in a hotel and the two of them are arguing between themselves. Yeah, it was me. I bumped my head. No, it was me. I did, I did it and stuff. So maybe there's a little bit of glory hunt in there. Maybe they want to be the guy that's famous for banging his nog. But it's fun. Yeah, I can exactly, man. Couple of beers Friday night. Bit of a laugh. Yeah, it's it's going to be sweet, and it, 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 it's it's the the world we live in. You know, if you can put your hand on some decent camera gear and you've got outlets like YouTube, that you, you know, why not? You know, whatever stokes your interest, it's all great for the fandom, and it gets a little bit of spotlight remaining on the Star Wars franchises as, as we as we enter that kind of potentially quiet phase in the in the theaters. Um, so anything like this, I'm all for, dude. So yeah, looking forward to that. Good luck, Jamie. If you want to come on the show, we'll reach out and we'll uh, we'll maybe do a chat with Jamie on that one. That could be quite interesting. Now. Final piece of news is, since D23, we have known that the long-speculated return of one Mr. Ewan McGregor as our favourite Jedi in hiding is is now confirmed. You know, we've, we've, we've suspected this for a long time. I don't think there was ever any doubt that something would happen with this. But now that it's been confirmed, Ewan McGregor himself is seeming to embrace this. So he's recently been on Graham Norton, I presume, to talk about Doctor Sleep, which is a new movie, the Stephen King movie that he's filming, which, uh, sorry, that he's just released, which is uh, a sequel to The Shining, filmed at the, uh, the the famous Overlook Hotel. And whilst on there, of course, Graham Norton, in his uh, inimitable way, decided to bring up the subject of that potentially stolen lightsaber that Ewan McGregor has from his time as, as a Jedi the first time around. So... Whilst Ewan, you know, neither confirms nor denies <laughs> that he's got a stolen lightsaber, Graham Norton does indeed have a, st- a, a lightsaber that's not stolen. It's been bought from somewhere like Smith's Toys. And Ewan McGregor proceeds to show his badassery when it comes to wielding a lightsaber. And it's just a little bit of fun, but it's nice to see that Ewan McGregor is kind of fully embracing being back in the Star Wars world right now. 
take what from that what you will. You know, I'm sure that people will just be looking at that and saying, well, that's blatantly him saying he's in Rise of Skywalker because look, he's got boots on and there's a lightsaber toy in his hand. How can you not say that he's in Rise of Skywalker? It's just, again, it's just another bit of fun, but Ewan McGregor seems to be able to wield a lightsaber pretty well, dude. He does. He's still got those those lightsaber skills. And it's interesting you say that, that people will, will try and put two and two together and suggest that he's in the Rise of Skywalker. He could be, but it's interesting because another theory that, that I saw online a couple of days ago was now that Ray Parker's shaved his head again, he only does that when he's playing Darth Maul. So now there's a rumour sort of knocking around that Darth Maul is going to pop up in some capacity in the Rise of Skywalker. But anyway, it's, it's interesting with Ewan because... He's as as an actor. I think there are a couple of there are a few things that you take on. I think throughout your acting life that you never ever leave. It's a bit like the actors that play Doctor Who or I don't know Ian McKellen as Gandalf, whatever. I think there are just certain roles that you will always be known for. You'll never escape it. And I think Obi Wan's that for obviously for you and McGregor. So the fact that he's it's like he just slips back into into character almost on that Graham Norton clip. He's uh, as soon as you can see it in his face, as soon as he picks up the lightsaber and turns it on, it's almost like a child like opening a lightsaber on Christmas morning. Is like gets a bit of a grin on his face and his eyes widen a little bit, and you can just tell that he's he's bang bang into it straight away. Like a there's no hesitation because he stands up immediately as well because he takes it off of Graham Norton. He stands up and he's like, oh yeah, look, did he still work? And he starts you know doing his skills and so on. And it's a great little clip. I thought it was an old clip for some reason, but it's not. It's it's new because he's promoting the um the the Stephen King thing. But it's a cool clip, dude. And I think how they whichever timeline they 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 go with for the Obi Wan series, if they try and make him to be older to be in line with Alec Guinness, his age, I think um I think we can expect plenty of lightsaber stuff. I think that's the the safest bet because. For for one, you don't lose it. You never lose that stuff because Graham says, "Oh, you're really you're really good with it." And he's like, "Yeah, I did this for months," and he's not even looking at what he's doing. He's like doing all these swells and he's like round his head. So I think, um, yeah, I I think he's been sharpening up. I do. I I don't think you ever lose that skill, but the fact that he's so natural with it and just I I think he's been shaping up. Dude. Yeah, I agree, man. And you're right, it slips back into character. You're right, I noticed that myself where he just literally instantly stands up. No one said to him, shall we do some stuff with this lightsaber? He's just like, I'm up. And uh, if, if you if you listen carefully, they're all talking and he you, you can just hear him as they're having a bit of a bit, bit of banter. You can just hear him say, in, in a very Obi-Wan voice, he just says, much to learn you have. And he literally <laughs> says it on the Graham Norton clip. I'm like, dude, you are a badass. Like, this is sweet as... Um, so I think you're right. And I think back to that Ray Park thing, you know, maybe we'll see some kind of legacy generation style throwdown like we talked about a couple of episodes ago in Rise of Skywalker. But let's be completely honest, mate. It's more likely that he's just starting to film the Obi-Wan series um, or at least starting to get into pre-production for that and getting back into shape for that one. I mean, not like Ray Park's ever out of shape, but, you, you know, you get the you get the gist. Um so yeah, just nice to see you and McGregor doing doing again. You know, we said it last week. Again, a little bit like Hayden Christensen and, and Ian McDermott. You know, getting back in the groove, getting back on the conference circuit, getting back into the. You put a lightsaber in my hand. I'm going to do Star Wars stuff. Not deny it. You know, that's it's it's encouraging. Mm. 
It is. And uh, did you also notice Chris O'Dowd, who was completely smashed as usual? Whenever that guy's on TV doing some kind of sofa talk show sort of thing, he's just completely smashed. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. He was on another talk show a little while ago. Oh, um, the, the Last Leg, I think it was. Exactly the same. He'd obviously had like two or three whiskeys before. He had a whiskey with him at the time. It's just hilarious. He can't even talk properly. He's like slurring his words. And But Ewan's like, uh, the Jedi, we don't drink, unfortunately. We don't partake in this cultural stuff you call drinking. Yeah, he's not got a connection to anyone, has he, old Obi-Wan? <laughs> you know, he's, uh... uh, do you know what I'm interested to see in this? Whether they do anything with like the Inquisitors and that Jedi purge. You know, Theoretically, this is going to be set in that eight-year time frame, you know, eight years after Revenge of the Sith, ten years until he gets to, uh, you know, have his really, really tough paper round where he turns into looking like Alec Guinness. And, you know, that's quite a nice time frame because it, you, you've, you've got Vader on the hunt, you've got the Inquisitors knocking around on the hunt, you know, trying to find Ahsoka. Um, will we see Ahsoka? Will we see some Inquisitors? I don't know, but I'm excited for that because that is a very rich time frame to be explored. So very, very exciting stuff, dude. Very exciting indeed. Now, we're going to move on to the review and discussion in just one moment. But, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can become a patron here at Sparker Rebellion. You can join the tribe, you can join the crew, and you can bag yourself some swag and even an exec producer credit. You can become like Chris, like Pascal, like Sean, like Tom, like Regina, and you can join the tribe over at patreon.com forward slash Rebellion. So, if you enjoy the show... Just go ahead, you know, maybe you want to buy us a cup of coffee, maybe you want to buy us a cheeky whiskey like Chris O'Dowd, go and check it out, patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. All right, guys, let's go deep, let's go deep into the review and discussion. Princess Leia, according to a new leak, was right on track to become a Jedi, and there's been a couple of leaks flying around this week, or uh, potential leaks, from who who appear to be pretty reputable sources, where we're going to see some de-aging. We're going to see either some de-aging, or we're going to see younger versions, um, <clears throat> Sebastian Stan in Rise of Skywalker. And we're going to see Luke and Leia doing a little bit of Jedi training. You know, theoretically, after the Battle of Endor, we understood that, that, that Leia and, and, and Luke were twins. The, according to Yoda, there is another. And... Apparently, Leia starts down the path of becoming a badass Jedi, but then quits. And, you know, nothing wrong with quitting when you're a Jedi. It's really bloody hard. But quits when she finds out she's pregnant with Ben Solo, the little bugalugs that turns into Kylo Ren. And it's interesting because I saw the de-aging stuff. I saw the kind of idea that, you know, Rey needs a mentor now that Luke has passed and become one with the Force. Uh, we're going to see him in, in, in a Force Ghost capacity, I've got absolutely no doubt. But... I'm interested in this because when you read the aftermath novels, it's very clear that Luke, uh, sorry, that Luke, whew, that Han and Leia got pregnant with Ben Solo very, very quickly after Return of the Jedi. Very, very quickly. It's in the books. Um, it, 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 yeah, exactly. And the Ewoks are all like, you know, just get out, get out. You're all up. <laughs> if the hooks are shaking, mm-mm-mm. no, this is disgusting. Now I'm thinking about, like, voyeuristic Ewoks. This is weird, mate. What is going on? Anyhow, um, so when you look at Aftermath, even when you look at some of the um, the Princess Leia books that deal with this time frame, 
some of the retrospective kind of um, narratives that they thread for her. It's very clear that she got pregnant with Ben very, very quickly, very, very quickly. So I'm interested in how far she took this. Apparently she's got her own lightsaber, dude. I'm interested in this retconning. Um, because Leia could be a badass in the wings. We just didn't know. Um, I think this is testament. It was always going to be theoretically, this was always going to be about Leia. It was going to be Hans and, and Ben's story, Force Awakens, then going to be Luke's story in Last Jedi. And then when they were planning out the last, in the, in the, in the sequel trilogy, it was going to be a Leia story. Um, the title is The Rise of Skywalker. You know, what's going on? What do we think? What is going on? What is going on? What's going on? What are the Ewoks putting in the drinks? Don't even, don't even, because that's mental, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Roofed by the Ewoks. No chance, pal. <laughs> C-3PO's like, uh-oh, need to leave. There's some WD-40 in this drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I think this is really cool. Out of all of the potential leaks and rumours and all that stuff, I think this is the coolest because I think that Leia definitely has, I think they've tried to explore a little bit that Leia has uh, as uh, is a potential Force user. There's that really cool scene where uh, they're, they're basically buggering off in the Falcon and Luke's dangling underneath Bespin and he's he's like, ah, oh, crap. Right, let me just get my phone. But nope, no phone. I'm going to have to use the force. And he's like, Leia. And she can see him. She can hear him. You can see her face. He's got, she's got this concentration. And then that's the pretty much the only time that you see Leia ever go near, in the films anyway, ever go near the force, I believe. And then we did get that weird thing in The Last Jedi where she's out in space and she does the whole Supergirl dash back through space into the ship. So that's potentially a Force thing as well. I quite liked that, by the way. I'm just going to throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind that. I was like, damn! It's an epic moment, for sure, in the film. It is. Uh, yeah, so they're the only little nuggets, really, in the main saga storyline anyway, that we see of Leia. So I think if they can flesh her character out a little bit more, because we don't want her to be known just as a mum. You know, after she did the whole rebellion thing and the whole resistance thing, and she's the general and all that stuff, and then all of a sudden she's like, oh, I'm a mum now. So, because let's face it, Han's not exactly a model father. He's not going out earning the bacon, coming back, throwing a bit of housekeeping money on the side. There you go, love. How's, how's the lad? You know, she's not that type of person just to sit there knitting while he's off doing smuggling duties, whatever. So I, I feel like there's a lot more to her outside of what we've seen. So, and this whole thing about training with Luke, you know, he's basically, look, sis, I'm, I'm the shit at this. So stick with me and I'll make you a, you know, it's all going to be good. She, she may be of, she might've been the guinea pig, you know, because the, the, I think the, the underlying story is that, Luke wanted to rebuild the Jedi Order, and I think Ben Solo was the the dude that put a spanner in the work. So maybe she was the guinea pig. Like, you know, if I can train my own sister in the ways of the Jedi, then I've got a shot at training, you know, noobs, who you know, and all that stuff. So, and the whole thing about her creating her own lightsaber, that obviously suggests that she's come quite away with it. The only concern I've got, the only small concern that is, is it doesn't quite marry up to how we see her in The Force Awakens and and most of the last Jedi, because she, 
there's not even a hint of her using anything like that at all. So she's either, she's either completely closed herself off from all of it purposefully. She doesn't want to any, she want to talk about the force or use it or anything, but I just hope that it kind of, it links in correctly with what we've seen of her character so far. But I think it's a really cool theory. You up for this one? Yeah, man, I think if it's done properly, and I think the way that they can do that, the catalyst for, for, for Leia's um, potential kind of removal from the Force is that, you know, the potential that all the Skywalkers have got since Anakin, which is that potential to, to fall to the dark side. You know, she's seen it potentially with Ben. Um, and and, and, and there is, there's a very easy get-out-of-jail-free card there, which is, well, yeah, my kid did that. <laughs> of course I didn't do anything else with it. Like, well, I'm not nuts. Good Lord. You know, there's a very obvious thing. There. And like you said, she's been a general. She's been a senator. She's been a, a princess. She's been, you know, the, the, the leader of the resistance and the rebellion. There's, there's, you know, she's had a pretty good innings. And you, you're right, you know, to, to kind of relegate her to just that mother figure um, is, is very dangerous, I think, from a narrative perspective. And I think giving her something that she can earn alongside that and that can really affect the last part of this sequel trilogy I think is important but there's a couple of other interesting things that that that, that get me curious about this um primarily you know you think Anakin and Luke are, are theoretically two of the most powerful force imbued beings that have ever walked the galaxy you know Anakin in particular was the bloody midichlorians you know he was full of them and then you got to assume Luke is. And if Leia is as powerful as those guys, which she should be, if not even more powerful, there's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of fertile ground that can be covered because she she could be a serious badass. Um, and if, if the stuff in The Force Awakens that was pre-filmed is of that ilk, you know, where it's discussing... Here's why I cut myself off from the force. Here's what happened with Ben. Here's what happened with Han. Here's why I chose to do this. That could be pretty sweet. I just hope it's not cobbled together for the sake of it. You know, that's my only worry. But if they do it properly, I'm all right with this. And I, I like I like the idea of the Rise of Skywalker being, um, you know, the Rise of Leia as 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 one of the last Jedi and the maybe the person to take the new Jedi Order forward. Absolutely, mate. I think there's loads of really cool. I mean, just the fact that that Leia went a, a certain way through her training with Luke and has a lightsaber that just opens up tons of tons of story, like potential story there um, that we've not seen from from Leia. Because I think they really try to hammer home the fact that she's a very and rightly so, she's a very strong female character within star wars and i think if you add on top of that the whole jedi thing as well that just elevates her just to just a complete uh, other level that's just crazy and i think this theory is uh that potentially the rise of skywalker is has a flashback scene where she's training with luke and whatnot and then that transpires through to ray so obviously luke's not around anymore to finish up Ray's training. So Leia potentially steps in. It's like, you know, I'll, I'll take over from here. And so there's loads of stuff. I mean, this all links back to conversations that you and I have had over the past month or so when we've been talking about these theories and so on is that again, it adds another 
another link in the chain, which is making a huge movie at the moment. So they have to be careful not to try and squeeze too much stuff in. But like you said, if this is done correctly, it could be cool. Yeah, man, really could be. And we will see in December, only a few months to go until we find out. And I'm sure the rumour mill and the leak mill is going to be absolutely overdriven over the next few months. So there's going to be a lot more of that stuff coming through. But I think as we get closer and closer to it, the last two or three theories that we've had have seemed a lot more plausible than some of the stuff earlier on. Um, So, yeah, very, very interested to see what happens with that. Now... The random spotlight. Uh, Gaz was like he said last week, he's been the custodian of the, the the random spotlight recently. And every time I log on to Trello and just take a look at how each episode is, is shaping up, I'm always surprised by what we're going to cover. And today was no exception. Because today on the random spotlight, we have a species that was interestingly brought to the fore within uh, The Phantom Menace, episode one, The Phantom Menace, that includes a member of that race and that species that... Uh, has got a big pivotal role to play and becomes one of the most detested characters in Star Wars history in Jar Jar Binks. That's right, the random spotlight this week is on the Gungans, the the underwater denizens of Naboo, the guys who ostracised Jar Jar Binks before Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan came and undid all that good work that they'd done by getting shut of him. And the guys that ultimately ended up turning their backs on the Naboo a little bit later throughout the Clone Wars up to uh, Revenge of the Sith-style timelines. And just generally a species that um, I think have got a really quite unique place in Star Wars lore. You know, they were introduced as comic relief or or certainly as, as kid-friendly relief. You know, I think George had his Ewok hat on when he was thinking about these guys, he was thinking toys and merch and all the rest of it and the attraction to the kind of kids. You know, he's always said this is a, a kid's franchise. Um, but they're very divisive. Don't get me wrong, there's some pretty interesting stuff in there that very divisive. So Gungans are the random spotlights. Well, what do you take on Boss Nass and the crew from under the water at Naboo, dude? Yeah, the old Gungans. Gungadinos, the Gungmeister General. The Gung, here we go. Uh, yeah, I, cho- I chose these because I didn't, well, first of all, I didn't want to do another OT thing. Let's leave that for a, for a while. I wanted to do another, well, so I wanted to do something from uh, another, another series. And I didn't want to do Jar Jar specifically because I think we could talk about his character uh, for quite a while specifically. So the old Gungans, I think, yeah, I'm, I quite like them in a way. And the reason for that is because I really like the fact that George Lucas, in his involvement anyway, in the Skywalker saga stuff, has given us these race of creatures or or, or aliens that are just so well thought out. Even if you like specific characters from those races or not, I think his just his ability to just give us these very strange, whimsical, uh, just funny a lot of the time characters is really good, and it's a shame that we haven't seen that in the sequel trilogy as much. So if you think about the OT, we had the the Ewoks, obviously that you mentioned uh, in Return of the Jedi, which is which are really cool, and they play quite a pivotal part. And then he did a similar thing with the the phantom menace with the gungans you know they're a very strange looking funny very kid friendly like you said and it, you know, it is a bit of a shame because we haven't seen that as much 
or at all, I don't think, in The Last Jedi. We've seen plenty of strange creatures dotted around, but we've not seen like an entire planet full of like these cool, strange things that the Jedi have to interact with in some shape or form, whatever. So, yeah, I, 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 like, the, I like them for that very reason, that I just love that, you know, I'll always go to, I'll always, what's the phrase, uh, I'll always go to bat for George Lucas in, in that respect. I think of all the criticism that he's that he, that has landed at his door over the years, I think sometimes it's a bit unjust um so i'll always go to bat for him for these for this very reason i just love that him in his imagination he's like right i'm not just gonna have uh i'm not just gonna have a gungan following the jedi around i'm not just gonna have an ewok helping leia we're gonna have a whole freaking planet and a whole race and a whole social system and a political and military system within these races and so on so i, I love it for that reason and i think they can be annoying don't get me wrong Th- these sometimes they can be annoying but i think that's just that was just george's in in uh, he just wanted to make these as child friendly so even if there are very young viewers who potentially couldn't talk yet they could at least blow raspberries and wiggle their cheeks around and sound like uh what's his face boss uh who was the big fat one because yeah, there's boss two types Nass. of nas there yeah because there's two types of gungans isn't there there's the uh the the ones that are like jar jar with like the long snouts and the the long ears and so on. And I think there's another another type who looks slightly different. They're a bit fatter and stuff. So the the the, the Otala, the Otala, I think is the ones like Jar Jar. And then you've got the the Ankura, which are like the big heavier fat ones. So yeah, I just think it's another really cool a really cool way of introducing something that doesn't necessarily take over the story, but they're there in their capacity and you know and contribute. So what what's your view on so let's talk about jar jar quickly then what's your view on him as a as a gungan because he's a funny character he's a funny dude there's no doubt about it i kind of subscribe to the theory that lucas had more planned for him than than what ended up being the case because of the the backlash i do subscribe to that theory i don't know what that was whether he is going to be this sith lord or whatever but i I'd certainly think there was more planned for jar jar binks um and I always found his arc interesting, you know, that buffoonery, that that accidentally being manipulated into giving power to 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 uh, to Palpatine in 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 the Senate that you know we never actually we never saw come back, and you know then that 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 finishing move up in uh, the end of the Chuck Wendig aftermath trilogy, where we find out that Jar Jar has just become this 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 kind of homeless entertainer on the streets you know he's, he's almost begging for scraps by entertaining people and the adults and, and everyone in the galaxy have shunned him because he was the one that gave over power to Palpatine so I like that as an arc I actually quite like it um I totally agree with everything you're saying dude about social infrastructures and, and the way that he developed the characters and the, the ecosystems I think I don't think he needed to do that I think he could have like you said he could just been here's another Maz Kanata and we're just we're not even going to bother about what she is she just does this thing and look, there's Yoda. Another one does this thing. Um, and I think you're right. I never really thought about it like that before. But you're right. The sequel trilogy feels a little less Star Wars because there's less of that. Everyone's a human. Everyone's a human. Phasma, Ray, Finn, Poe. They're all they're all human. Akbar's gone. I don't think we've seen... <laughs> you know, we've not seen the Celestans too much. I don't, yeah, Chewie's in there. But who else is in there? I don't, there's not that many people. Yeah, 
the guy that Simon Pegg plays as a custodian of, of, of Jakku's scavenger kind of trade and the person that looked after Ray. But yeah, you're right. I've never thought about that. There hasn't been that much extra going on. Even at the beginning of The Force Awakens where you go and find, uh, what's his name? I forget the guy's name. The guy that knows the location of Skywalker. You know, that Poe's oh, got dude. the map from. Yeah, yeah but there's, they're all human. That is a really good point, dude. And I think that might be why the later, the later films feel a little bit less Star Wars. Yeah, maybe a factor. I think because Star Wars is known, in our generation anyway, when we were younger, it was all of that type of uh, just complete imagination and fantasy that cooked up these amazing characters and races that we just we link back to that fondness. So when you were buying toys when I was buying toys anyway, back in the day, or having toys bought for me, should I say, when I was very young, it wasn't a case of it was just a human character like Obi-Wan or Han Solo. It was this really quirky, strange pig-looking thing, the Gamorrean guard, or it was these, you know, the other, all these cool characters are non-human. So I think, yeah, that that's the reason why I love George Lucas's work within the Star Wars saga, because he he just insists that, the world and the universe is very uh, just non, non-human in a way that still, it's still familiar. And it's not too out there that you just get lost and it's like, oh, I have no idea what all these people are doing or, or anything like that. It's very diverse, but it still has a, yeah, familiar. Anyway, anyway the Gungans, I think, are a really good example of that. I think they just, they scream like crazy space creature stuff especially to young kids but they do have a purpose and i really feel sorry for jar jar you know his, his story comes full circle into being just shunned and 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 thrown out you know he's an outcast because he does come he does kind of climb the ranks pretty pretty quick you know once he once he triumphs at the end of um a phantom menace and kind of takes over from padme he sort of goes into the senate and starts you know uh mixing it with the big boys if you like Everything's good and it's bloody Palpatine. We come back to this guy. He's like the master. He's the dude. And then, yeah, so after that, they like link him to the, it's like, you're the one, you're the one that gave the empire the the, the foot in the door. So you're out again. And then he ends up being the street performer. It's, it's pretty sad. I know he's annoying, but yeah, it's, it's pretty sad. It is, man. It's it's well written, you know. It's it's, it's well well considered. I do think there was more there for him, um, but you know, I think he did all right in terms of uh, the character arc. Like you say, I think it was pretty well fleshed out. Um, so yeah, the Gungans, the random spotlight this week. Now we're going to stick a pin in it. We've been recording for a while. It's, it's amazing how quickly this goes. I'm always amazed by that. So thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to sit here and talk Star Wars. Number one with you listening wherever you're listening. Number two with you guys as always. Now, if you want to become part of the tribe, you can do so, like I mentioned a couple of times throughout the episode, at patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. And if you want to interact with us, hit us up on your social channels, wherever you, wherever you live on social. Just do a search for spark of rebellion and you will find us. So drop us a note on there. Give us a follow. Give us a subscription. And then let us know what you think of this episode. Let us know what you think of Jar Jar Bings. What do you think of the theory around Leia training Rey and being her own Jedi? What do you think of Ewan McGregor's badassery 
with a lightsaber. Just let us know. Spark a rebellion. Do a search in your socials for us. And guys, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, dude. Always fun to sit here and uh, shoot the breeze from uh, from a, a Star Wars perspective. Absolutely, my man. Um, it's really cool to continue this chat for the crazy theories and, well, maybe not so crazy, but these cool fan theories and leaks and rumors and stuff. We don't really buy into them so much on Spark of Rebellion. We do try and wait for like the official thing, but it's always fun talking through the potential craziness that could come from those theories. That's all good, and it's been awesome uh, chatting with you, as always, my man. Well, thank you very much. You're a sweet talker. So, we'll be back next week. We have I'm, I'm got absolutely no doubt more theories. We've got more news coming up. There, There's a number of theories that are kind of flying around that we're going to dig into um, next week. Some that have been shot down, some that maybe haven't. But we're going to probably dig into a little bit of Ryan Johnson talk. Where's he at with his new trilogy? So, until then, thank you so much for joining us. And, Gaz, I'll see you next week, dude. We will see you all next week. Yes, uh, enjoy your week. We'll be back for episode 25. And until then, may the force be with you always.